So today I'm excited to have Martine back on the show with me. This week we don't have any unscalable tactics to share and we don't have any guests. This week's episode is raw and real. So as you know, I sold Sendable back in January 2021 and had a six-month handover period uh, after which I stepped out of the company. This has now happened, which was at the end of August. Um, and I've now been out of the company for almost three months. And when we sold, we were so worried about the team morale that we decided that Martine would stay a little longer to provide some normality after I left. Now, it's crazy how this time has flown by uh, and her last day is officially in two days' time. But by the time this goes live, she would have left the company. So Martine, welcome to the show. And how are you feeling today? Thanks. Thanks for, for having me back. Uh, I am feeling very overwhelmed. I think that's kind of the, the right word to use here. It's, you know, I've been, I've been thinking a lot about the last really 13 years of Sendable. And it's kind of, you know, when I remember the day that you had the idea to launch Sendable. And, you know, it was just this kind of crazy idea. And we didn't for one second think that anyone would actually use it. You know, it was just something, a need you, 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 you know, an itch you had to scratch. And then suddenly people started using it and people started paying you for it and employees started wanting to work at Sendable. So like that experience was just so extraordinary. And to think now, 13 years later, this, the company has grown substantially, but more than that, it's not, you know, it's not just about the people you see every day, the every, it's everything all rolled into one. So we know the impact we've made on customers. We know we've made the impact that Sendable has, has made on employees. We know the, the impact that they've made on our lives. Like these people are like friends, family, every, every kind of, you know, I, I, I don't even know how to describe it, but like to think of actually stepping away and not having this as part of our lives is the only word I can really use to describe is overwhelming. I kind of feel that it's going to take me a while to kind of let this sink in. And the, 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 we, 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 you know, we've dealt with the new normal this, you know, in the last year or two. Uh, with COVID, this is now the new normal 2.0, really. Yeah. So obviously, we'll um, kind of delve a bit deeper into that. Uh, but I wanted, like, want people to hear about your story because you know Martine was always the queen of behind the scenes at Sendable. <laughs> I don't think people realize just how much of a contribution you made to the company in your time at Sendable. While I was the founder and got all the glory, I honestly don't think Sendable would have been here without you, Martine. So. Really keen to like share your story, let people hear behind the scenes as to what you were doing. Uh, so before we kind of get into that, can you talk about your background originally, like before you joined Sendable, what you were studying, what you did in terms of where you were working, that kind of thing? Yeah. So when I moved to the UK, I was qualified as a teacher and I started teaching uh, at, a, at a school uh, near where we lived at the time. I was there for six years and then I decided around the time that Sendable, that Gavin was launching Sendable, I decided that I wanted to specialize and I decided to specialize through um, a South African university because it was just way too expensive to go through as an international student for a UK university. So I went that route. Uh, so that was around the same time I decided to specialize in inclusive education and special needs. I always had an interest in that. So, yeah, so I taught for six years, absolutely loved it. And then, uh, when, as I said, when Gavin started launching Sendable, that's when I decided to specialize. So we were both kind of in that zone of not socializing and kind of just, <laughs> just getting, 
getting it done, head down and get and trying to trying to achieve our goals, which which turned out to be brilliant because I didn't notice that we were kind of such recluses and, and you know, it kind of worked worked in both of our favors. But basically teaching gave me a brilliant kind of insight into how people work and how to work with different people. It also, I'll go more into that, but it basically, it helped me I because I was working in special needs and because I um, was working so much with the the admin paperwork side behind teaching also, because that's any teacher will tell you that there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. I knew what needed to be done um, to set up a company, to have employees. So I went straight to an HR. I found an HR consultant who could help us get all the paperwork sorted so that all our policies were in place so that everything was kind of fine and legal and and looked after employees, looked after us as a company. So that kind of gave me a bit of insight into that, which was good. But I think one of the most important things that I learned being a teacher is how to work with people, like no two people are alike. And, you know, everybody always says that, but it really is true. When you're teaching, you learn that if if a child doesn't understand something, the chances are it's not the child, it's you. So it doesn't mean you're a bad teacher. It just means you're not working towards that child's abilities. You're not actually um, like learning from them as a whole person and the way they learn. And I think that I was able to implement that a lot in Sendable. So even though, as Gavin always says, you know, the queen of behind the scenes, thanks, it's very nice. (laughs) Nice to be called a queen. But, um, you know, it's kind of, I used to help him kind of with a bit of insight into why something might not be working. The chances are it's actually not a very big reason why something couldn't be working, but it's just the fact that you haven't kind of taken a step back and looked at how people work and that no two people will work the same way. So somebody, like even from a teaching point of view, some a child might learn to read from an auditory perspective. They hear the words, that's how they learn to read, and that's how they thrive. Or somebody else might be more of a visual learner. And it's the same thing with adults. It's the same thing. My mom always used to say, a good teacher can teach anything to anyone. So it's the same type of thing working with adults. You just have to figure out what makes that person tick, what makes, what motivates them, what helps them thrive, and how best to kind of absorb the information and get it out as effectively as possible. So I think it really did help help me with a bit of insight into into the way people are wired, really. Yeah. Um, so I guess if we if we go back to I think 2007 or 2008, I think it was <laughs> when we first moved in together. We obviously weren't married yet. We had just moved out of a flat chair and we moved into this tiny loft. Um, I think it, I don't know how big it is, how big it is now, but in, in comparison, but it was, we didn't it was tiny. We tiny at the time. <laughs> no, yeah. We're so excited. <laughs> we just, we were just thrilled to have our own space and have moved out of a flat chair. I remember I'd just gone shopping the one day um, at a shopping center very near to where we were living. And I'd just come back home with this, this amazing idea. I was like so excited. Can you describe what happened in that moment to listeners? So I always think of that moment as kind of the Fred Flintstone moment, you know, when he bursts through the door and says, yabba dabba do. And so Gavin kind of, I could hear him coming. He literally burst open the door and he was like, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. Now, just a bit of backstory. So throughout the time that Gavin was working in the UK, he was never 100% fulfilled. He disliked working um, in every kind of role that he was in. There were elements that he liked. He liked the people. He liked whatever it was. But there was always something. And 
he was always looking for the thing that he could create, that he could make an impact. He always wanted to make an impact on people's lives and make his mark in the, in the, in the business world. So this moment, he literally burst in the door and he said, I finally got the idea. And I was very happily working on my little desktop computer. And he was like, you need to get a new computer. This is going to be our server. And I was like, but this is the noisiest thing ever. Please don't make it run 24 hours a day. No, we need to host Sendable. You know, the new company became up with the name eventually. It has to be hosted on this noisy computer that sounded like a Hoover, you know, all day long. Um, I had to suddenly get a laptop with no money, you know, figure out how to do that. And, um, basically that, that, that was the, the way it kind of started. So I just, I'll never forget that moment because it was kind of like back to teaching. So we had this term called a wow moment. And that's when you're teaching a child something and they suddenly go, wow. I get it. I get it. And that was the same thing. So Gavin suddenly had this wow moment, this moment of elation that suddenly like, Oh my God, I've got it. I've got it. I know this is it. I know this is the idea. Like he had had things that didn't work, whatever ideas, ideas, ideas. This was the one and we could feel it. We knew it was, was the idea we had to now. And he kind of explained what it was going to do. And then we were coming up with all these ridiculous names and we knew we didn't want something obvious in case it pivoted one day, a good call. Um, you know, we didn't know what, what to come up with. We finally came up with a name. It was, it was so, so exciting. It's funny you mentioned the server being so noisy because I think our flat yeah. was so small. You can hear it from every room in the, in the flat. Every room. So I guess, yeah, back then <clears throat> we were in our, in our twenties and, you know, our friends were out partying. I remember we had a sacrifice sort of weekends to kind of, you were studying, I was working. And I remember I had this old cheap laptop that I brought from South Africa when I first moved to the UK. And I was literally just working through the night building this product. Um, and thankfully, you also were working in your, your degree um, at the same time. Did you think that Sendable would ever become anything? Did you think those sacrifices were worth making back then? Or were you just not sure like what I was actually doing? I obviously knew what you were doing. And I was happy to kind of support you. I think it did help that I was so engaged too in what I was doing. So at this stage, I had, you know, I was supporting you, but I had no interest in like leaving teaching and, and joining the company. It wasn't, it, it wasn't anything to join. I mean, I think my dad would not have been happy if I'd given up one, one stable salary at the time. So um, yeah, so I had no interest in kind of joining, but I think, as I said before, we were just both so engaged in what we were doing that I, I, I don't recall it being, you know, it being a tough time at all because we weren't motivated to go out. We weren't motivated to go on holiday then. We were just so focused. And I knew that you wanted to get this thing out. And at the time, we, um, I'm sure you're going to go more into kind of what happened at that stage. But we were just like, let's just give these things a good shot. Just give it a good run and, and let's just see. And the thing is, you can't give it anything in life a good shot if you're massively distracted and being influenced by all you know, peer pressure around you. So I was so focused on finishing my qualification. You were so focused on that. I don't know how our marriage, you know, I can't remember that, but we're still together, you know, all this time later. So it must have been okay for that. And obviously we didn't have kids. So yeah, I mean, it was just, I just heads down and, and get it done really. Um, so yeah, I think um, obviously at the start of the podcast, I mentioned that I don't think, don't think Sendable would have been here without you being involved in some shape or form. Um, and I think this, this story we're going to tell now is probably the, the most influential moment that kind of made me continue with, with the company and building it. 
So if you've heard our founding story in the earlier episodes, you'll know that I accidentally, uh, stupidly gave away 10% of the business for free. Um, you know, I was, I lost motivation. I was like down and out ready to kind of give up and start something else. But in 2010, you convinced me, actually end of 2009, you convinced me to not only quit my job, but to spend all our savings to buy back the company that was generating like almost nothing in revenue, um, you know, for thousands of pounds. Now, bear in mind, I just paid for a honeymoon, a ring, and I had to buy back Sendable for like five figures. What were you thinking back then? Wow. I don't know if that makes me <laughs> sound crazy or like a saint, but <laughs> um, I don't actually remember. I mean, I think you, I think for me, I, I'd known you, you know, we, we, we met, when was this? When we were talking about uh, 2010. So we had already been a couple for 10 years. So I knew you very well. So I think because I had seen you with all these little ideas that just didn't make it, to see the transformation in this idea, uh, I knew it was real. And I knew that you, if, if I was the one that said to you, don't do it, then I would have had to live with that. And obviously we didn't know what Sendable would become. I mean, that would have been a crazy thing for me to have said, but I easily could have said it. As you said, we were just married. <clears throat> we had one salary coming in. It wasn't a great one. You know, it was okay, but it wasn't, couldn't support both of us, especially if we wanted to start having kids and stuff. So, um, yeah, so, um, I just knew that, that this was something. So when the situation happened, I could see you going back into this kind of state that you were in when you weren't happy in your jobs, because suddenly you had gone from this excited kind of kid hacking out this thing that you just couldn't wait to get, you know, to get live and, to, and, and, and to, to, to launch the world. It wasn't even about monetizing at that, at that stage. It wasn't at all about that. It was just about you wanted people to see it and use it and hear what, what they thought. So you were kind of like this excited kid on Christmas morning, you know, kind of just trying to get this thing out. So when the situation happened and suddenly we felt that they were suddenly going to have a say on how you ran the company and what you needed to do with it. And suddenly anytime money came in, they were taking a cut and weren't contributing and weren't helping you in any way to see you transforming back to this person that you were before launching. I, I couldn't face that. I, could, I didn't want to face that. So when, when this kind of happened, I just said to you, like, I don't care where we get the money from. Get a loan from the bank. I don't care where this money comes from. Like, let's just figure it out because it wasn't worth it. The, the, you know, we had just started our marriage. This was the happiest version of you I had seen in a long time. I knew you had this passion. I knew you had it in you. Obviously, I didn't know what you were coding because I didn't understand it. I still don't. But, um, you know, I knew, I could see it in your, in your body language, in your stance, in your, in your, in your attitude towards, you know, your excitement. So I knew that we needed to do something to get it. And that's why I said to you, we will figure it out. Just get it done. Just get a loan from the bank. Do whatever you can. We'll figure it out. Like it, it, I thought the advantages of selling, of buying back those shares far outweighed the disadvantages of us struggling for a few months. Like I knew it wouldn't be forever. Uh, I didn't think Sendable would be generating money, but I would have tutored or I would have, we would have figured it out. But I just knew that the advantages way, way, way um, outweigh the disadvantages. It's actually funny because I, I don't think we would have started this company in South Africa if we were living in South Africa and I had to quit my job where it's so hard to get a job in the first place. 
and like risk it all to start a business that is so unlikely to have happened there. So in hindsight, I think moving to the UK and knowing that we could have easily got, well, I could have easily got another job after quitting um, and having only six months of runway, basically of savings to live off. So I think that also maybe just that gave us a bit of a bit more confidence to kind of take the chance, even though I'm so risk averse in most cases, this is like the biggest risk I could have taken. But I think thanks to you, yeah, and your sort of um, tendency towards risk, I was able to kind of just do this, I guess. Um, so it was still uh, around 2010 and I just quit my job and I'd pivoted Sendable into this business tool so I could try monetize. So obviously I'd run out of savings just about and um, I decided to start setting white labels and I was selling them for $1,000 each. So one off fee, $1,000 so I could at least make some income to live off. And luckily, you know, there was a, there was a need in the market for white label solutions doing social media management for agencies. And these were setting like crazy, like hotcakes. And I had to kind of create them and try build the product and try to do support and all that stuff. And I just couldn't create these white labels fast enough. And I remember you were still working as a teacher at the time. And I asked you to come help me to set up the white labels in the afternoons. I had to train you in CSS so you could help. <laughs> Can you describe just how small and scrappy we were back in those days? Oh my goodness, very. So we had, at the time, I think you had moved into an office. So we had this tiny, tiny, tiny office with somehow we managed to get three desks in. And at the, yeah, so I used to come in from school and then I would go straight. I used to, the, my um, bus went right past the office, so go to the office. And yes, so basically I had no experience in CSS at all. So I knew what I knew. So like, basically I knew how to like change the logo or change the colors or whatever. But if anyone wanted anything like overly fancy, you know, I can't remember at the time what that could have been, but then I had to kind of wait for Gavin. But we just kind of felt that even if I could, even it obviously took me twice as four times as long as Gavin to do one, but we tried to kind of um, already then separate the stuff that was worth Gavin's time versus wasn't. So even if we had to increase the time it took for the customer, obviously they didn't know how big we were at the time. So we tried to appear bigger than we were, but at the same time, I couldn't churn them out in, you know, two hours or whatever it was. So actually the time difference, the fact that they were in America helped us a little bit. But so at the time when Gavin was kind of working on the product, uh, we we dele- we kind of extended the expectations of how long it would take to do a white label, made it seem like more complicated than it actually was. And um, I was trying to get them done as quickly as possible. So even if I had to take a laptop home or whatever, just to, to do those certain things, and then I'd go to Gavin and say, how do you, I don't know, indent this or how do you do whatever, whatever. I can't remember what the CSS at the time was. But I used to, so there were certain things that I could do that I just used to try and do as quickly as possible. And then Gavin would kind of focus on the things that he could, that only he could do. So developing the product or working on the brand at the time, whatever it was. And then I would do as much as I could, just asking him the odd kind of few questions. And then slowly we started getting people just to help us part-time to to kind of churn these out because mm-hmm. it was it was quite lucrative. And that was also quite a turning point for us because we realized that, oh my God, this tool is actually something that people actually want to spend money on and, and quite substantial money too. So, yeah. you know, you kind of don't know where to position yourself in those early days because is this really worth it? You're trying to make it a premium product, but, you know, this is just your little idea. Mm. So it's kind of that catch-22 of will people actually be able to justify this amount of money? 
I think I think timing played a part as well because yeah. I think at the time businesses started taking social media more seriously, and as mm-hmm. a result, agencies started cropping up that were offering social media services. So the fact that we had the solution that could do white labeling at the right time, where other competitors weren't doing it, it gave us an edge in the market. And I think if it wasn't for that, I probably would have had to go back to working again. Yeah. Um, but I think that that was the the biggest pivotal thing that that moved us forward in the, in the biggest way. Um, so I think from that, we obviously started to grow the team. We hired more people. You were always there as a sounding board to help me when I was making hiring decisions. Um, and as the company grew, I struggled to kind of like be a leader, like look after the products. So I was still coding and stuff and look after the culture. And I needed someone that I could trust to help with operations, sort of admin, HR, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when you first started helping with HR and office management? I think, well, I mean, as I said, I helped in the very beginning. I found an HR consultant to help set up the policies. So I was learning a lot from her. And I think when we started, when we moved to the first kind of big office, then I started getting more involved, but I was still teaching at the time. So uh, it was very, very much behind the scenes. So I started kind of doing the odd thing and just helping with general office management whenever I could in my, in my kind of spare time. But in terms of HR, it was probably when when we moved to the new the, the current office that we're that we're still in, I was back from maternity leave. So I think that's when I got a lot more involved. So once our daughter was in nursery school, that's when I got with childmind at the time, I think. That's when I got um much more involved and I started learning a lot from the HR. Um I, I loved doing the HR in the office. The only thing for me with that was I couldn't really be that trustworthy to them. And I, and I recognized that. So they couldn't come to me with something massively confidential because obviously I was married to you. So that was, I mean, I completely recognized that, but I was at least somebody who could direct them to the HR consultant. We've kept on the whole time. And I was somebody who could um, help them with things that weren't massively confidential or, or, you know, then they would have gone directly to her. So so when you went on maternity leave, um, I remember I had to sort of hire some cover for you and I ended up getting a PA to help me with the admin and also getting someone to do HR um, and also to run the culture. But I really struggled to kind of be on the same page with whoever I hired. You know, they, they just didn't really get me the way that you did in terms of what I wanted for the culture, for the company. And we were always like butting heads and not really understanding uh, what the vision was. You know, things like introducing remote working was quite foreign to them. Whereas I believed in autonomy and giving your team, you know, trust. So I think that kind of thing was was really interesting. That I think I think what made the company special, the culture special, was you and I like both being on the exact same page, the same wavelength. Mm-hmm. Always, you didn't need to bug me with questions. You always knew what I wanted and kind of what I stood for, what I would say yes to, what I would say no to. So I think we were just such a great team that created this incredible culture. Now, you know, obviously I didn't have a co-founder. It was just me by myself building this company, and you were there behind the scenes helping. Um, but I think when you quit your job to join full time, it really gave me the chance to focus on my strengths completely and just grow the business, put my head down and just get the business growing and succeeding. And as I said before, you really were the queen of behind the scenes, you know, no one really knew what you were doing, um, at the company, you know, you were just helping new starters on board, sending them laptops, sorting out equipment for people, figuring out problems, like signing documents. Um, so just a massive thank you to you just for believing in me and making so many sacrifices. Uh, but for making me look good too all the time, you know, people don't realize what you did to make me look good in the company. Uh, and you helped me just create the culture of my dreams, you know, and you, you knew, you, you kind of knew what I wanted for the company. You knew that I wanted to create a great place to work at. 
And I think that's honestly why it's been so hard for us to walk away. I think just because we've created like the, the best possible culture we could have. We were always just on the same wavelength. And you totally got what I meant when I set the principle. Life is short. Enjoy what you do. I don't think Sendville would have been here without you. Uh, so just a massive thank you for everything. What do you think you'll miss most about Sendable after leaving on Friday? Gosh, you've got me a bit emotional. Um, for me, it's just the people. It's the culture. It's the work ethic. It's the Christmas parties for sure. Uh, it's just, to me, it's the, the people represent everything Sendable is. So we um, set Sendable values and um, those values are just instilled in every single person and what they do on a daily basis. So it's for me, it's just like the, the people, the culture, the atmosphere, the, I think, you know, you touched on remote working. Like we, we've got a podcast on this. Anyone can listen to it at any time. But basically in, uh, to summarize, we implemented remote working a year before anyone else uh, because of COVID. So people thought we were mad. But we kind of said, I don't understand, like we could not fathom why we were crazy because you either trust your employee or you don't. And if you don't trust your employee, why are they working for you? Like it was, it was so simple to us, but like not simple to anyone else. And we were like, but I said, I remember telling people like, but somebody could be sitting, you know, booking holidays right next to you instead of working and you're not going to notice. Like you either trust them or you don't. And I think that was the thing. We always trusted the Sendable team. We had such an amazing bond with the Sendable team and they're just such phenomenal people that I cannot, I actually, I don't know how I'm going to leave. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of glad in a way that I'm doing it remotely because I don't think I could do it any other way. So, you know, I'm really, really hoping and praying that we'll still keep in touch with everybody. We've made some really good friends. Uh, yeah. I just can't imagine kind of just like, shutting the door on that completely i think hopefully the culture that we've instilled the values that we that we launched have they i know for a fact they've been continued but hopefully if everything just continues then we'll be able to leave that kind of legacy of what we started what was important to us originally back in the day 13 years ago if that carries on then i mean that is an absolute dream come true for for both of us yeah i think because i've been out of the company now for almost three months and you've still been in I think that the thing I miss most is definitely the people um, and like the social aspects of the company. Obviously, I overhear you on Zoom calls, like having team building days and that kind of thing. And I have serious FOMO. I just have to have to leave the house. I, you know, I can't take it because it just brings me down. So I think I think that that'll take us both some time, um, especially when you step out of it. You'll see how hard it is just to be out of Slack. You know, not part of the company meetings. You know, not able to go to the office anymore. Those are things that are really difficult for me um, or have been the hardest thing over the last few months. Uh, so, yeah, I think we have to look forward. What do you think you're most excited about now that you're stepping down or stepping out? So I think, okay, so we're going to take a break. We're going, um, we're going to be away in December. So that'll be a nice kind of month of clarity, um, just a bit of perspective and everything. Um, and then I'm very, very excited to launch the new, the new company. So obviously, I mean, from from your perspective, to get this buzz back, I mean, we've we've spoken about this, you know, many times that, you know, when the when Sendable got to the size it, it is now, 
you obviously had to step further, 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 further and further away from developing and all the things working on the product, all the things that you were kind of so passionate about. So, and that's obviously just the way it happened, way it is when you hire these experts to take over from you. So, you know, if you're spread too thin. So to kind of get back into that swing of things of you kind of being back to that Fred Flintstone moment, you know, <laughs> um, that's very exciting to me, but also because I was very much behind the scenes throughout it and I was kind of, you know, there, but I wasn't there and I was involved, but I, no one really saw. I'm very excited to kind of start from the ground up now. I, I, I realized throughout the sendable process that I didn't know what I could do. I had no idea. You know, you, you kind of train in one thing, you know, you might know a little bit about yourself, you know, your strengths, your weaknesses, but you have no idea what you actually are capable of until you give it a shot. So I'm very excited to kind of learn a bit more about myself, a bit more about how we can work together um, and just kind of get something out there. I mean, I was telling my friends how we're launching something new and they are gobsmacked that we can work together. I mean, my one friend said she can't even go to Ikea with her husband. <laughs> I was wanting to <laughs> beep, beep, beep. But, um, but yeah, so let's just, you know, I'm up for the challenge if you are. <laughs> it, it is, it's very exciting to kind of give it another go, really. And if it's a success, then great. And if it's not, then so be it. Like it's just it's the process is so is is very exciting. It's actually funny because we were at a party on the weekend and um, someone who had followed our story uh, supposedly uh, thought you were still a teacher and um, they were asking what what you're going to do now if you're still, still going to be teaching. So a question for you is: Will you be returning to teaching now, or is that a thing of the past? <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Okay. No, definitely not. Um, <laughs> I loved my days teaching. I definitely did. But I will always remember phoning my friends when I started at Sendable working more full-time and I was like, it's like another part of the brain. So, you know, teaching, you get so into the swing of things and you get so into the rhythm and you kind of have to, you're, you're so much of your day is just about other people and their own and their needs. Like mm-hmm. teachers, I have so much respect for. They, their selflessness is unbelievable. They spend their days doing things for other people all the time that is all they do they can't even eat when they want to eat and go to the toilet when they want to go to the toilet like their whole day is structured around other people so for me to kind of have that thing of like oh i i can go make a cup of coffee like it doesn't matter what the time is like if i want it i can go make it so yeah so i just i love the freedom of the, the kind of um having having the option to kind of have that bit of flexibility but also just the, the excitement of learning something new every day, trying something, you know, just seeing what I was capable of, really. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy just kind of doing the homework with our two girls. That, that keeps me <laughs> keeps me content for now. <laughs> so, as Martine said, we are cooking up something new, which we'll be announcing in early 22. Uh, I can't say much at this stage, but what, what I can disclose is that it's in the video marketing space. We'll be announcing it first on this podcast and then in my newsletter on scalable.me. So be sure to subscribe. We're also looking for people to join us on this journey and give us feedback on the product. So if you're a small business owner or you're an HR or you own a marketing agency, please could you send an email to gavin at unscalable.fm. So before we go, where's the best place for people to find you online, Martin? So I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. It's Martin Hammer, LinkedIn, H-A-M-M-A-R on LinkedIn. And obviously on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And also I have recently launched a blog, a newsletter called Scarred for Life. So it's scarredforlife.substack.com 
where I talk about the journey that we had with our eldest daughter when she was in and out of Great Ormond Street Hospital. It's quite a hectic story that she had in her first year of life. So I've been writing a, a newsletter on that and kind of trying to take out little bits of positivity on, from our experience. And yeah. Definitely recommend checking out Martini's newsletter. It's full of insights um, from our story. Cool. So thank you so much for listening and hopefully next time you hear from us together, we'll be announcing our new uh, startup. See you soon. Bye. Bye.